Welcome to this week's energy show. We're going to talk about your New Year's energy resolutions. These are things that you can do to save energy and money in 2016. We're going to be talking about things that apply to both homes and residences and also commercial buildings because a lot of commercial building owners are kind of thinking about cutting those expenses in 2016. And many of these suggestions are free. It's uh, tiny modifications in behavior and control systems and things like that. And some of them have some investments required. But in every single case, the paybacks are really, really good. So surprisingly, you can reduce your energy costs pretty significantly without a big investment. So before we dive into my specific 10 energy-saving recommendations, let's talk a little bit about the energy background and what makes energy cost so much and what forms of energy are really expensive. Now, What we pay for energy is something that changes all the time. So it it ends up not being really intuitive for you to say, gee, this is an expensive form of energy or not, because the cost of these energy sources varies. Gasoline right now is at a very low price. It's $2 a gallon averaging in the U.S. Here in California, it's closer to $250 or $260. But what that means is gas is now cheaper than it was when I was a kid, I mean, we had $5 gas just a few years ago, and now it's like half that or less. And the reason for that is that crude oil on a worldwide basis is down below 40 bucks. It's, you know, some, in some places it's in the 30s. And gasoline comes from crude oil. There's an abundance of crude oil. And, and a lot of that is just because of the extra drilling and fracking and, and just changes in the worldwide economy. But for that reason, gasoline used to be expensive. Then it got cheap. Then several years ago, it spiked up to being expensive again when when oil was $100 a barrel. And now with oil down in the 30s, gas is really cheap. We've got the same variability with natural gas. Natural gas used to be expensive. And then gradually what happened is as new natural gas mining extraction techniques came about, fracking, and we talked about on one of the other shows, there's a bigger supply of natural gas. So we're extracting a lot of natural gas all over the country. We're trying to store it and putting it in these underground reservoirs and things like that. But the supply is building up. And so when the supply goes up, costs go down. Now, another thing happened, which is warmer weather from El Nino. It's, so far, we've had a fairly warm winter, and there's expectations that it's not going to be frigid as it was last year. So when you have warmer weather, people use less natural gas for heating. So the natural gas supply-demand balance is pushing prices way down. Lots of supply because of fracking and extraction techniques, and less demand because warmer weather. So the prices of natural gas are really low. Now, Let's look at electricity because we're getting an increasing amount of our energy, whether it's transportation energy, heating energy, lighting, appliances. We're getting most of it from natural gas, and that energy has historically changed a lot. So we're looking at big swings in electricity prices over the year. Now, generally, the trend is electricity rates keep going up. And what's surprising when you look at the low cost of natural gas, that electric rates are still going up. And and the reason for that is that the cost to operate the utilities, the utilities have to make a profit. They're big. They like to put assets in place. The cost of operating the utilities keeps going up, even though the generating costs of that electricity continue to go down. Natural gas is cheaper. Make cheaper electricity. Wind and solar I mean, it's literally almost free once you invest for the equipment. So electricity 
keeps getting more and more expensive. Now, if you're generating your own electricity with solar, you kind of short-circuit that. So we have to really factor in what the underlying fuel costs are. The electricity costs, natural gas, oil, you know, coal and nuclear too kind of go into the equation. And then increasingly, we're able to get more and more cheap electricity from wind and solar. So there's a big demand for energy to heat buildings, to heat houses. So here's an interesting factoid for people who are thinking about, hey, I've got a natural gas heater, dryer, water heater. I'm heating my house with natural gas. Maybe I'm going to get solar. Maybe I'm going to go heat my house with solar. Here's an interesting factoid. Natural gas is almost always cheaper for heating than electricity. And, and this is something that we explain to our customers at Cinnamon Solar all the time. Just kind of looking at the basic numbers right now from our local utilities here, and, and these numbers are, are pretty consistent all around the country. Natural gas costs about $1.40 per therm or 100,000 BTUs. And we kind of do the conversion that there's 29.3 kilowatt hours of energy per therm. That's it. Kilowatt hours is a measure of energy. That works out that if you were to convert the natural gas price into kilowatt hour price, natural gas costs about a nickel, five cents, per kilowatt hour of heat energy. So if you're going to heat your house with natural gas, it's going to cost you about a nickel a kilowatt hour or $1.40 therm. Now, people say, I have solar now. I'm going to just run an electric heater. Well, you look at the electric rates, they're 20 cents a kilowatt hour. So if you're running an electric heater to heat your house, you're going to pay 20 cents a kilowatt hour for that energy that you buy from electricity. Whereas if you were going to do it in natural gas, and natural gas is pretty efficient when it heats, it's a nickel a kilowatt hour. Essentially, just keep in mind what, what you want to remember, and sometimes these units drive people crazy. Natural gas is about four times cheaper than electricity in terms of heat energy. So when you're heating things, unless you've got really cheap electricity, heat things with natural gas. So let's talk, let's kind of put this into you know, dollars and cents, something that people can really relate to. I was just kind of wondering, gee, how much energy does it take to heat up a cup of water in the microwave? And that was kind of easy to figure out because I just popped the thermometer in there and I turned the microwave on and I found out that it takes three minutes to get that cup of water boiling with an 800-watt microwave. That works out to be about a penny of electricity. It took 0.04 kilowatt hours to heat that water up, and that works out to be about a penny. So just think about it. You're going to heat up that water in your microwave. It costs about a penny. Now, what if you were to heat the water in a teapot on your natural gas stove, you know, the little gas flame, right? Put a teapot on there. Well, well it's kind of interesting when you do the research on this. There's a lot of energy lost from the flames just kind of going around the sides of the pot and, and radiative heating and things like that. The microwave actually is really efficient. But when you heat the water in the teapot, you lose about 75% of the energy. So what ends up happening, it costs about the same amount of money if you're going to heat water in your microwave with electricity or if you're going to heat water in a teapot on the, on the stove with a gas burner. That's just kind of a, an interesting factoid here, but that all has to do with the efficiency of the heating mechanism and the cost of the energy. Now, what does this mean for people who are thinking about solar or already have solar? Really, really simple. Heat your house or heat your hot water with natural gas. And it's, this is almost always the case. 
You should always try to run your electric meter backwards with solar and run your gas meter forwards. In other words, it doesn't make sense to use your electricity to heat water in your hot water tank or, like say, to get a, a, an electric dryer instead of a gas dryer. You're better off selling that excess electricity back to the utility at the higher net metering rate and buying cheaper natural gas. The only time where you should really start thinking about switching from a natural gas heater, like a you know natural gas hot water heater or natural gas stove or natural gas dryer, the only time you should do that is if you have solar and you have a negative electric bill. So there's not a lot of people that have a negative electric bill. It's not something that I generally recommend. But unfortunately, I have that situation and I, because it's my mother-in-law and my family doesn't use a lot of electricity and we changed to LED bulbs. So we actually are looking at putting in more electrical appliances and we're using an electric heater because we have a negative bill and we don't get credit for that. Anyway, I digress. Let's go back to our New Year's, our 10 New Year's resolutions. And I rank these by payback. And these are a lot of these things you can do for free. Number one, here's the thing you can do tonight or do it today. Go outside, go into your garage, and turn off all of your sprinklers. Turn off all of the control systems that you have running your irrigation systems around your house. The drought isn't over, and this is for people in California. It's raining now. If your grass is not already dead, it's going to get enough water from the sky over the next few weeks or months to, to kind of stay alive. You don't need to run that sprinkler. When I kind of went around my house, I had three different sprinkler controls, and I, had, I just turned them all off. And actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to unplug them because they still draw a tiny bit of power. And when you unplug them, sometimes the programming is lost. But you know what? Next year, I'm going to program them differently because I want to save more energy. So first, this is not necessarily energy, but it's going to save you a lot of money. Just turn off your sprinklers now. And it drives me crazy because my neighbor has a sprinkler running every single morning. And it's just a waste of electricity and a waste of energy. All right, next. Drive a stake through the heart of your vampire electric loads. And this is something else you could do. It's free. Every device, every appliance, every toy, every computer, every stereo equipment, every TV, every cell phone charger that's plugged in draws a little bit of power even when it's off. You can easily spend a few hundred dollars a year on these vampire loads. For example, I looked at an old TV that we had and I put a device called a kilowatt on that to measure the wattage that it was using, measure the power it was using when it was off. And surprisingly, a lot of appliances are always kind of on in the background so that they can stay charged up. Or in the case of old CRT TVs, cathode ray tube TVs, and LEDs and LCDs and plasmas, they keep the electronics warm so that when you push the on button, it jumps right into action instead of warming up. But they use power even when they're off. My plasma TV used 35 watts even when it's off. A regular TV might use 10. But that 10 watts on standby power times 24 hours a day, times 365 days a year, divide by 1,000, that works out to be 88 kilowatt hours a year. And at 20 cents a kilowatt hour, that's $18 a year. So just because you leave your TV plugged in, you're just wasting $18 a year. And there's easy things you can do. You can unplug it or you can control everything from a power strip 
what I do is I have a bunch of these things called remote control power strips. So it's a power strip with a little remote control button. It's a lithium battery. It lasts for like five years. I've actually never had one wear out. And when I want to turn on my computers, I just push this button, click, it goes on. When I want to turn on my stereo system, and I have one of these really old-fashioned tube amplifiers that uses a lot of juice, I don't leave that on. I just push the button, and then the thing heats up, and it's going in like in a minute. So I suggest getting one of these remote control power strips or two or three of them and use these for the appliances and devices that you're not always using. Okay, next, number three. Replace all of your incandescent light bulbs with LEDs, including your outdoor lights. Now, this isn't free. This is going to cost you a little bit of money, a few hundred dollars, but it's such a no-brainer with the low pricing on LEDs. And, and I found over the past couple of years that you can get LEDs in every shape, every color, three-way bulbs, outdoor bulbs, candelabra bulbs, all different bases. They've really become popular and much, much cheaper. And there, when I kind of look at the operating cost for an LED over five years, it's four to five times cheaper than incandescent bulbs. You've got usually less than a one-year payback for taking those things out, uh, taking out the old incandescents, and putting in the LEDs. Now, if you have CFLs, we're getting to the point where I'd even recommend taking out the CFLs. You know, find LEDs that have good color temperatures that kind of have a warm light, and there's plenty of them out there, and just change all of them. Even take out the good ones. Pay careful attention to the lights that are on a lot in your kitchen, in your dining room, in your bathroom, in your hallways, your outdoor lights. Surprisingly, people have a lot of lighting outdoors, including landscaping systems, and you should put LEDs in there instead of halogens. Halogens are basically fancy incandescents, and they don't really save that much. So replace all the LEDs. Now, I did that over the last few years, and it backfired because I had a lot of solar, and, and now my electric bill is negative $140. So I'm putting back the incandescents because I'm not getting any credit from my utility. So if anybody out there wants to get a bunch of LED light bulbs, particularly the, the hallway candelabra things, I, I took them out and put in the old ones back just because my bill's still going to be negative, but not negative 140. So that's how much of an impact it can make. All right, number four. Make sure you have a seven-day setback thermostat on your heating and cooling system or a smart thermostat and make sure that it's working properly and you have the time set properly. It's usually really easy to do. Now, you can go to the big box store and buy a seven-day thermostat for like 50 bucks and they're easy to put in. Or you can get one of the fancier internet thermostats. Lots of companies making them. Nest has the, the most popular cool thing. That might cost you two or $300. But they're very easy to install, very easy to program. And what you got to do is when, when you're not home during the day, you turn the air conditioning off, turn the heat off, or just turn it really, really down so you're not using a lot of energy. And at night, it's kind of easier to sleep at night when it's cooler, particularly in the winter. So we turn the temperature way down, and you have the temperature come back up again 15 minutes or so before you wake up so that the house is relatively warm. Very easy to do. Now, in terms of the fancy internet thermostats and the old the setback thermostats, they both are going to save about the same amount of energy if they're set properly. The good thing about the, the internet thermostats is that they're easier to control. If you're coming home late and you, you don't want to come home to a cold house, you can just kind of go on to use your smartphone. There's an app for that. And then turn the heat on in the house. So it is kind of handy. And some of these thermostats also have motion sensors so that they can kind of figure out when people are moving around and when they should warm things up. So good good thing to do and inexpensive. Number five, check the weather stripping 
around your doors and windows. This is really cheap to do. If you feel cold air leaking around your front door, your back door, or your garage door, you're losing energy. And it's easy to replace that weather stripping on the doors and on the windows. You can, you can do it yourself. They sell the weather stripping at the big box stores, at the, at the hardware stores. Or you can hire a contractor, the handyman, and he's going to do the work pretty efficiently, and it's not going to cost you a lot of money. Now, I suggest you use good weather stripping that's going to last the brushes or the metal weather stripping as opposed to the foam because the foam's going to wear out after two or three years. But it's going to – both of those things are going to really help, and you're going to find that your heating costs are going to be reduced and, and also to a certain extent your cooling costs. All right, number six. Install rooftop solar. No surprise coming from Barry Cinnamon, but it's got a great payback if you have a house, if you have a high electric bill. If you already have solar, wash your solar panels in April or May if they're dirty. Now, if you're in a location where it rains a lot, you probably don't have to wash them. But in many locations in the southwest, it doesn't rain a lot, and the panels can get pretty dirty, and you can lose 20% of the output or so. Now, if you put solar in, in most cases, you've got a four- to eight-year payback, and that's without accounting for escalation in electric rate. It's usually a no-brainer if your electric bill is over about $100. And then for commercial customers, if you've got a small commercial building, you know, flat-roof commercial building, and you're on the A1 rate or the A10 rate, a lot of these rates have time of use, you definitely want to at least get some quotes for solar to see how much it's going to save you. And once again, wash the panels. If you have a big system, if you have a commercial system, it's definitely going to be in your interest to wash them probably once a year if it's not regularly raining. Okay, number seven, clean your heating and cooling filters and check your ducts for leaks. I mean, you also may want to have somebody come in and clean your ducts because that's going to result in more dust and more air resistance, which is going to increase the power draw by the and more air resistance, which is going to increase the power draw by the fan, the blower motor. So once a year, you should just replace that heating or air conditioning filter. And, and usually what I do is I kind of forget. It's a pain in the neck to go out and buy one filter. So I'll buy like a five pack and then I'm good for five years. You can have your HVAC contractor, or your duct cleaning people, check the ducts for leaks and seal them up. Not a hard thing to do. Speaking of ducts, you know, a lot of people have used duct tape for that. And you know, duct tape's not always the right thing to do because that standard duct tape doesn't last that long. The duct tape that professional installers use usually is more of a silver foil tape. But speaking of duct tape, I got a duct tape joke. What do the force and duct tape have in common? And the answer is they both have a dark side and a light side and they hold the universe together. So guys always have a roll of duct tape pretty much everywhere in the trunk of your car, whatever, and you can fix almost anything temporarily with duct tape. All right, number eight, buy an EV as your second car. Okay, maybe you want to buy an EV as your first car, depending on how much you drive. I think EV sales are going to slow down temporarily because gas is cheap, but EVs keep getting cheaper and cheaper. There's a trend that's not going to change. It's going to just continue to be more and more cost-effective. EVs require less maintenance, and in many cases, they have better performance. And gas, although it's cheap now, we all know gas is going to continue to go up. If you have solar, very cost-effective to charge your EV up with solar at home, and you want to probably go on the EV rate if they have that. And if you have solar at your office or there's inexpensive charging stations, you should charge up there. So EVs make a lot of sense for places where electricity is inexpensive, and both because the fuel, the electricity, is cheaper than gas, and also because the maintenance is low. Number nine. 
If you have a pool, you should change to a variable speed pool pump or a two-speed pool pump, and that's going to really reduce the amount of electricity, the kilowatt hours, the cost for operating that pump. You should also have your pool guy cut back on the hours of operation of your filter. Now, the pool guys basically just want to keep your pool sparkling crystal clean. And you want to do that too, but you also don't want to overpay for electricity. So you can have your pool guy to cut back the hours slightly, save a little bit of money. And, you know, if you have a problem with your pool, if it doesn't seem to be clean enough, you can always increase the the hours of operation again. But look at the duty cycle, the hours that that thing's programmed on. The pool guy will generally always air on running the pool pump more because they're not paying for the electricity. Now, speaking of swimming pools, if you want to keep that swimming pool warm, definitely look into getting a solar pool heating system. These are these are pool heating panels that tie into your pool system that work very, very well and are very, very reliable. Okay, finally, number 10, change your electric rate to a time-of-use rate or an EV rate. Now, many utilities have these new rates time of use or time of day, basically what they do is they charge you more for electricity that you use during the day when there's a lot of demand for electricity. They charge you more in the summer than the winter because there's a lot of air conditioning required in the summer. And they generally have lower rates at night. Now, it used to be kind of a niche thing, but I'm seeing more and more utilities all around the company have these time of use rates. California utilities pretty much all have it. In PG&E territory and and in other areas around California, we have two different time-of-use rates. One's called the E6 rate, and there's different rate tiers and higher cost of peak times. And then if you have an EV, there's the EV rate, which also has higher cost of peak times. But what's really cool about the EV rate, and also to a certain degree the time-of-use rate, the E6 rate, is with the EV rate, it's really cheap at night. So here's what we have with the E6 rates. The peak time for electricity demand in in this part of California is 1 to 7 p.m. And during 1 to 7 p.m. on the time of use rate, you're going to be paying up to 48 cents a kilowatt hour. That's kind of a lot. So it's like 50 cents. The partial peak time is 10 in the morning to 1 p.m. and 7 to 9 at night. Then it's down to 36 cents. And it's off peak at all other times, 29 cents. So if you have solar, you can run that electric meter backwards in the afternoon at peak and get credited up to 48 cents a kilowatt hour. And then you try and use your electricity at night at 29 cents. Now, the EV rate in many regards is even better because the EV rate at night from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. is only 10 cents a kilowatt hour. And the reason why it's an EV rate is that's when the utilities want you to charge your car at night when there's not a lot of people using anything. The lights are off, the heat's down, there's no companies running, industrial usage is negligible. So electricity is really cheap. You want to set the timer on your EV charger to charge your vehicle from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. at night. Now, what's kind of weird, and this is one of the laws of unintended consequences, because everybody's going to start charging up the car at night, there's going to be like a spike in demand at 11 o'clock. So the, the, the tariffs and the utilities are going to gradually adjust to that. Now, if you have solar 
and you're not at home during the day, I strongly recommend you look into changing to the time of use rate. And it's especially good if you have solar panels on the west side of your house because on the west side of the house, you're going to generate electricity in the afternoon, and that's when you can run your meter backwards at the best deal. If you have an EV, you probably want to change to an EV rate, but that's something that your solar contractor can kind of help you work through. All right, well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 